It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. Michael Kiss. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hand. And Benjamin Solak. I know it's a big night when he asked for honey. He said he wants honey. It's the Kiss and Solak Show. Man, I love those guys. Right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solak Show. This is episode 25, brought to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio. I am your host, Michael Kissed. You can follow my work at InsideThePylon.com. Follow me on BleedingGreenNation.com. Also on Twitter at NFL. Just hit 3,000 followers. Somebody please unfollow me. I don't need that many people. Atta boy, Mike. <laughs> as always, as you just heard, I am joined by Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation and NDTScouting.com, the best doggone co-host in the game. Can't continue without saying that. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Every day is a good day to be alive, Mike. And what makes good days better uh, is when videos of Mike Leach surface on the internet. Have you seen this video of him talking about the one time he tracked a raccoon through the snow? Okay, wait, wait. for those listeners who don't know, because I don't know if we've talked about this, on the Kist and Solak show. It was a staple of Locked on Eagles. Mike and I are big fans of Washington State head coach, father of the air raid offensive system, and general lunatic, like two steps below the Joker, maybe three on a good day, Mike Leach. If you don't know some of his greatest hits, and Mike, please help me out here, he uh, regularly eats a banana on the field during pregame. So there'll be like video cuts of him 30 minutes before the game talking to the other team's coach, just like, chowing down on a banana with regularity mike once asked him how many times he washes his towels like he's like him up on twitter like at coach leach how many times you wash your bath towels and he responded what did he say again he said that the wife tells me to use the same towel for a week 
and that he tries to remember what his wife says or he tries to listen to his right. wife and i'm like that's all we can do bro that's all we can do is try to remember what the wife said and he liked that yeah too. <laughs> and there was a pullman uh, a washington state like beat guy or whatever who was getting married soon and leach heard about this and like gave him like two and a half minutes of like marriage advice on air that was basically just like Brilliant. shut up listen to your wife you don't know anything you're an idiot and it was hysterical and so, have you seen this most recent video, Mike? Yes, I have. I've also seen the video, and we'll get to that in a second. I've seen the video of him killing ants or trying to kill ants by pouring coffee on them, which was brilliant. Oh, the one of him cooling down his coffee before the Michigan State Bowl game? You know the one? Man, we need, it's like, incredible. We need to cut all these up together and make a, a Kisten Solak show montage of Mike Leach's greatest moments to accompany this episode. I, I agree. And look, the raccoon, he, he followed this raccoon around. Per Mike Leach, because he wanted to find out where he lived. He was genuinely interested and then went on to talk about all the other critters. He, like, loves raccoons. He's an incredible human being, man. What a national treasure. So much fun. So much fun with that guy. What's what's the best is he tells the story like a preschooler, right? (laughs) Like, you know, preschoolers just kind of say sentence fragments. And then there's unnecessarily long pauses. And it's just really disjointed, and they don't really know where the most exciting parts are, so they just kind of like, everything is exciting. At one point, he just starts listing animals, and you're not really sure why. You think it's animals that he's also seen, like, during his time alive, but he just starts going, quails, bunnies, bear, deer, (laughs) heard a deer one. Pheasants, but not too many. He's just like just saying for you know, wearing Washington State gear like Pac twelve insignia behind him. It's it's a treasure, man. It's an absolute treasure. Oh man. It's so much fun talking about him. I'm glad we could start the show like that. What I what I'm not a fond of starting the show with is we did our mock draft. We both did seven round mock drafts, dueling mock drafts. We had it on the last episode, episode twenty four, and then we also put it up on Bleeding Green Nation and let people vote on it. And what I gathered from it is that 52% of the people that voted, there's a very good reason why they aren't in Howie Roseman's position right now. I'll put it to you that way. Oh, bad, bad, bad take, bad take. (laughs) Uh, I am currently leading 52%, 48%. It's okay. My most recent numbers, Benjamin Solak has 426 votes. Michael Kiss has 390 votes. So it's a decent 36 vote lead for me. It's obviously very close, which I think is good. And I can definitely understand why. Mm. I don't know about you, Mike. The main complaint that I'm hearing with my mock is that people are very down on Dallas Goddard, uh, tight end at 32. Right. Guys, I can't stress to you enough. Firstly, if this young man played for a Power 5 school, even a group of five school, he'd have so much more hype than he currently does. Played for an FCS school, number one. Number two, injured during the Senior Bowl, injured during the Combine. Just because he's not getting talked about does not change the tape and the testing numbers from his pro day. He is being kept under the radar, but Dallas Goddard is going to be a very good tight end in the NFL. He, I comp him to Travis Kelsey. I, a lot of people do. It's a very easy comparison to make. He's going to be an impactful player. He'd be great at 32. And again, you say, okay, he's a tight end. He's not going to get on the field as much. You already have Zach Ertz. When you have two tight ends and there's Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, you put him on it's the, the same as having one, and then you just play the other wide receiver. Yep. It's really fine. So that that's the biggest complaint I've heard from mine. That and also people think I, I benefited from a soft board, but I think we both did, so it's fine. Yeah, it's a, it was a pretty familiar, uh, similar board. We used the same one. You just happened to have Fred Warner fall to you, and I think that was a big difference there in the fourth round. But yeah, I mean... Glad that the people are enjoying it, interacting with it. That's that's really all we wanted. We wanted to hear that feedback. And people put some of their boards or their mock drafts up in the comments section as well. So go check that out and uh, go yell at them and be mad online at them. Uh, I think we came out pretty unscathed, so I'm happy with it. Okay, so 
couple big topics for this show, actually just one, but we're going to start with the preseason schedule for the Eagles. First opponent, Pittsburgh Steelers, and then we are at the New England Patriots, at the Cleveland Browns, and then we have the New York Jets again. Uh, we have them at home. Ben, do you think, and Jimmy Kemsky posited this on Twitter, do you think that the Eagles should hold off the ring ceremony for the second game in New England? That would be fun but super aggressive and i don't know doing i would honestly like as as enjoyable and petty as that would be i'd, I'd love for it to be in the home stadium yeah. you know the link has never seen a ring ceremony man and i would really love for that I to too. happen in, in, in yeah in the city of philadelphia yeah true and also you want all your fans to be there you know you don't yeah. want it to be obviously not a lot of fans are going to preseason games so you don't want it to be majority new england people booing during the ring ceremony i do but no, I mean the the Jets at four uh, at four is predictable. Uh, Steelers is kind of fun at one. I wonder uh, with whom they'll do joint practices. If anybody have they done it with New England before? I feel like they have. They have. They have. It was maybe yeah. three or four years ago, and then I th- I think it's been pretty recent yeah. that they've done that because I remember watching some of those some of those joint practices. So yeah, definitely they have. That would be fun this year. Yeah, no, no. So I think that like you know that that's a good possibility. I think. Joint practices with Cleveland would suck, uh, and the Jets would be kind of boring too. But yeah. you know, Patriots and, and, and Steelers is a lot more fun. It is a shame the the third preseason game, which is the one where you see the most of the starters, is Cleveland. But nah, whatever. It's the preseason. But yeah, but we get to see their their new quarterback, Josh Allen. Ha- have you seen the line move on the betting odds for who they're taking at one? Well, I don't know the extent to which it moved, but I know that Allen became the favorite. It went from like negative three sixty for Sam Darnold. Which means, you know, you have to put down 360 bucks to win $100 out of that bet. It is now down yeah. to, and, and Allen was a plus, it is now down to Sam, Sam Darnold at minus 160, and Josh Allen is now minus 105. That's how, that's wow. how far it's moved. <laughs> I mean, they, they definitely overcorrected for the Allen thing at first. I actually just dropped a piece for NDT Scouting, shameless plug. That's right, you did. About, yeah, like, let's say your team drafts Allen. Uh, what do you do next? Because the answer is like, calm down. It's fine. It's football. Like we all love the sport a great deal, but it'll be okay. The sun will rise tomorrow. I like I like that your response to drafting Josh Allen is, "Hey man, think about your family. Think about all the good things in your life. This is not everything's yeah. about football." <laughs> right? Because obviously, most fans are going to be really upset if their team drafts Josh Allen early because sure. we don't think he's going to be good. Uh, but then you have to be able to look at offensive scheme and structure and build and talk about where Allen is successful and how you can prevent him uh, from being in situations where his weaknesses will be exposed, mm. which these are things that, that really foster good growth. So I wrote about that. At the end of the day, and this is like, you know, Eagle fans can take this to heart, even as the Super Bowl champions picking at 32. Don't get mad if the Eagles pick a player you don't want them to. Let's safely assume these guys are kind of good at their jobs and 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 what you know you can say to yourself, man, I wish you know uh, the Eagles had gotten Darius guys. I think that'd be so fun. But then yes. watch some highlights of Dallas Goddard. Get excited and and like your bet is made. You got to lie in it now. This, this, that's that's the long the short of it. That's why I could never stand the uh, the Earl Thomas conversation around Brandon Graham. Like, oh, what if the Eagles had drafted oh. Earl Thomas? What if the Eagles had drafted Earl Thomas? Everything would be different. Who knows what would have happened? Whatever those thought trails, they just don't do much for me. Yeah. And actually, you bring up a good point with Darius Geis because John Ledyard, who you work with at NDT Scouting at Ledyard NFL Draft, great follow. We had him on the talk running backs. He says that the Eagles are heading down to LSU to meet with Darius Geis tonight 
as we're recording this on Thursday. Then they're going to put him through a private workout in the morning, and then they will host Geis on a visit in Philadelphia from Monday to Tuesday of next week. He says there's a lot of interest there, and I am half badly chubbed right it. now. Oh, my God. Let's. Uh, this is not what we've been planning on discussing for the podcast. We're already 10 minutes in, but let's talk about this for a second because I have a take, and I wonder what your thoughts are. The The very clear interest in Darius Geis and the resounding conversation around around that you know people think that guys will make it all the way down and whatever just leads me to believe that the impression of around the league of Philadelphia and the impression of Philadelphia inside the building is yo our roster is so good right now mm. that we can just take Darius guys at 32 mm. because it's unquestionably a luxury thing yep. it unquestionably is Philadelphia had a fine rushing situation with their guys last year and there's no reason to believe they can't have it again with another small addition third round pick maybe even nothing like that and just run Jigajai hard this year and then let him walk next year whatever right there's no heavy need for a Darius guys like player but looking forward, Philadelphia can say to themselves, and, and and the league also seems to be reflecting this, we have such nice starters across the board, and we only need depth in a few places that listen. If guys drops us at 32, heck yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I, you know, like I said, it, you know, it's just the rich getting richer. You know what I mean? You're giving a machine gun to a grizzly bear. And hey, I'm not <laughs> adverse to it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I would love it, and I agree with you. It, it does go to show you that having a luxury pick like that well, with a guy that's very high on their board. Let's let's consider that too. But even just with the positional value, even if he is high on their board, that they don't have another crazy need shouting at them to take so they can afford to do that. And obviously, you know, I'm a big guys fan. We're going to keep talking about him throughout this process. If he is the pick, I'm running naked through the streets. No one can stop me. And I'll I'll uh, I'll get bailed out by someone. I'm sure we'll have to set up a, a, a GoFundMe for that. <laughs> but uh. All right, so the main topic that we wanted to talk about coming into this, but, you know, me and Ben like to talk football. We like to chat it up. We're going to get to that. So what I did was I opened up the uh, hashtag counterpart Twitter mailbag and asked, (laughs) whomst are the prospects that you want to hear more about? Hit us up and we'll talk about them on the following Kissed and Solak show. And we definitely got some names. Uh, The first name that I wanted to talk about, and I kind of mentioned him on the last show, and and shout out to Carlos Rodriguez, uh, at Carlos Rod underscore O2. I know he helps out uh, BleedingGreenNation.com with notifying Brandon Lee Gowton of some of the official visits and some of these other movements and whatnot. So valued listener, valued reader. And he put a bunch of names out there. The one that I wanted to talk about was cornerback Darius Phillips from Western Michigan. And let me tell you, and I said it on the other show, I'm going to say it again because it was such a darn good game. Put on the game of Darius Phillips against Michigan State and tell me this guy is not an absolute baller. That was one of the best games I've seen from a quarterback prospect or any prospect coming out into this draft. Uh, He had a touchdown on a fumble return in which he made the tackle, stripped the ball, picked it up, took it for a touchdown. He had one on a kick return, and then he also had an interception. The, The dude balled out. And then you look at the rest of this tape, and, and it's a little up and down. Jeff Risden had a comp for him. We've had him on here before, too, to talk tight ends. But Jeff Risden of RealGM.com, Browns Wire, Texans Wire, all that, he said that he comped him to Dre Bly, just a playmaking dude. And he's going to give up some, oh, okay. some plays. Uh, but when he's keyed in and tuned in, he's all over it. And I would like, I would really like him. You know, obviously, I picked Jair Alexander in the mock draft for nickel, nickel corner spot. They are looking at nickel corners. They have a type. 
he is definitely part of that type. And Phillips, as far as a day two guy, if, if we move around some draft capital, trade somebody who knows what's going to happen, then uh, Phillips is definitely a guy that can also bring return value that, that I really value to, to bring along in that spot. Uh, ben, have you seen Darius Phillips? And what do you like about him? Yeah, I've seen a bit of him. Uh, I will say X receiver. Yeah. Very clear. Ball skills. In the way that he plays. Right. And when we talk about Josh Jackson, kid out of Iowa is a much higher pick. Similar sort of a situation where uh, you can see their ability to key on route concepts very mm. quickly, their familiarity with offensive spacing, good pre-snap reads as far as what splits, what motion may uh, may tip their hands as far as what. And then, yes, excellent ball tracking ability. Good job locating it, knows how to win leverage, and then finally finish the play by making the catch. There's a play, if I can interrupt you, Ben. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. There's a play that exemplifies that. In that game again, Mich- against Michigan State, Michigan State comes out with two wide receivers condensed, right, which is a false run key. Mm-hmm. They run the Yankee concept. So you have post on one side and you have a deep drag on the other side. He was on the side of the deep drag. Now, there's this coverage that's actually in the Wade Phillips playbook from 2003. Our friend Betts pointed out at All-22 is a fantastic follow. Uh, there's Atta a boy, coverage Betts. called uh, called drop, drop kick where he's going to pass off that deep drag and he's going to make a beeline towards that post. And he reads the condensed set. He knows that the Yankees come in. He passes off his crossing route to the guy underneath. The, the free safety comes up. And he comes to the middle of the field. Even though he has deep third, he bends his own into the middle of the field, makes a jumping, diving interception. Excellent recognition. Excellent ball skills. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah. So that play is a perfect example. And I believe you put that play up on Twitter. I did. And so check that out. Yeah, find it on Mike's Twitter. Because that's a good example of what we're talking about. That being said, if you're going to play nickel for me, you better be able to hit mm. uh, and you better be able to to take on some physicality. And oftentimes nickel corners are smaller because nickel corners need to have exceptional short area quickness. The reason is uh, on the boundary is typically a one-way go. A boundary corner doesn't have to worry about a guy cutting into the sideline very often. Right. And even if he does cut into the sideline for a quick out, for a comeback, there's a very limited amount of space that that wide receiver can work with. And so you don't need as much short area quickness. For a slot corner, uh, there's a two-way go. A guy can cut to the inside and outside to a ton of space. A wide receiver can. And so these nickel corners need to be incredibly agile. And as a result, they tend to be smaller. That being said, as a nickel corner, you will be more present in run fits more often than a boundary corner will be. Mm. You will have to be responsible for tight ends who are climbing into space, for offensive guards and tackles who are climbing into space, which obviously I don't expect my nickel corner to win those battles very often. It's my job to keep them out of them, but still, you're going to have to take on fullbacks, and you're also going to have to tackle big running backs. LeGarrette Blunt took Desmond King for a 25-mile ride against the Chargers, <laughs> right? You remember this Remember this play? Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. I, I need my, my nickel corners. Uh, my, my guys who are playing closer to the box to be able to play with some physicality. Darius Phillips is very turned off by physicality, all right? And so even up beyond the run game, if you were to be dealing with a big slot wide receiver, if you were to be dealing with a tight end flexed out, and I'm trying to play that flexed out tight end in nickel personnel, I'm quite worried about Darius Phillips. I'm yeah. much, as far as a nickel corner goes for me, Mike, I'm much higher on a guy like Nick Nelson out of Wisconsin, on a guy like Perry Nickerson out of Tulane, who I know that you like and I like a big deal, because these guys, I think, are much scrappier. They're much willing, much more willing and active when, when messing it up with contact, and that's going to project better to the NFL. Yeah, and Nelson is 210. 
uh, he seems like a Schwartz guy. He's a more physical nickel nickel corner. I'm big. I'm big on Nick Nelson. Yeah, I really like him. That's that's a few times that you brought him up. Now I I was watching him the other day, and I really like the way he popped. Perry Nickerson, the guy that you mentioned from Tulane. I have an article on these nickel corners, by the way. Go to bleedinggreennation.com and go check that out. But Perry Nickerson, good site. Is yeah, yeah, it's a solid site. He's basically your Dante Jackson consolation prize that ran a four three two he's got a wiry frame he's a small guy but he's he's really dynamic i like his game uh he had a career near career ending injury in his freshman year and when they did surgery they said you're probably never going to play again and he comes back and plays the next year and plays out the rest of his college career so as long as that knee checks out i, I really like him in the uh in the later rounds all right let's go to a scenario here from tim westcott at tim westcott uh, imagine the worst possible scenario for the Eagles in terms of how round one plays out. Whom should the Eagles draft in that scenario, assuming there are no trade offers? So, Ben, who do you not want to see the Eagles take at 32? That's such a sad thing to do. Uh, <laughs> it makes me so upset. Okay. Worst case scenario is the, the Patriots take Connor Williams at 31. Texas offensive tackle. I'd be so pissed if he made, if he made it to 31 oh, and didn't make it to 32. That'd make me upset. Right, so Darius Geis probably also already gone. Dallas Goddard, I'm assuming, is gone. Uh, and then definitely the top four linebackers, Rashawn Evans, Leighton Van Der Esch, Roquan Smith, and Tremaine Edmonds are all gone. At this point, it's very likely that, like, obviously, like you know, you want to say trade back, but that was already precluded. And so I would imagine the Eagles take uh, a solid bet player at a position of high value because they get that fifth-round option on the first on, on the round one contract. Mm. And so I would not be surprised to see them go offensive tackle or edge. Uh, offensive tackle obviously is the bigger immediate need uh, with Jason Peters' retirement on the horizon and with, you know, Halapuli Vatai, it's very questionable whether or not he's a future starter. And so then you could see a guy like a Tyrell Crosby go at 32. And Crosby's probably a better value in the 40s. You reach for him at 32. You get yourself an offensive tackle with that fifth round option. You know, the Saints traded up to 32 last year to get Ryan Ramchick, Wisconsin offensive tackle, for that very reason. And that ended up being a big pick for them, mm. right? Uh, the, the, their right tackle just retired this year. And he said, you know, I, I forget what his name was. Was it Streif? Zach Streif who retired for the Saints? I can't remember. Right, I believe it was. Yeah, let's call him Zach Streif. And if it's not, that's my bad. Uh, <laughs> Zach Streif. In his press conference, said the reason he felt comfortable retiring is because he knew that there was somebody protecting Drew Brees, uh, waiting in the wings, and that was Ramchick and and Tyrell Crosby and any offensive tackle at thirty two, but Crosby in this scenario can fill that role for Jason Peters as the heir apparent, start as a swing tackle and then play the position. That being said, I would like Crosby, like I'd be fine with that pick. Uh, so I think worst case scenario is if all this goes down. And then Philadelphia says, you know who's tested really similarly to uh, Lane Johnson? Brian O'Neill out of Pitt. And this mm. is a tackle out of Pitt who really is a, he's a fantastic space blocker. And he's an ex-tight end, so it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So he's like an awesome, like pulling him is fun and then making him climb is a great time. If he has to pass protect, you better, you just put only, just only put four linemen out in the field and put another wide receiver in, honestly, instead of asking Brown O'Neill to pass protect, because it's going to be the same basic thing. Uh, so this is a, a very, very raw product. It means a lot of work. And the athleticism is likely going to push him in the top 50 picks. Uh, we've heard some round one chatter for him. But I think if you're drafting him, you're projecting development. Very, You're projecting a lot of development, which is always risky. Projecting a little bit of development right. makes sense. Projecting a lot of development is scary. And you're also, you need time. 
you know, you're, you're going to need at least a season. And then if Peters retires, he might not even be ready after a season. So I think that them reaching for offensive tackle talent is the is like, you know, the, the fallback plan. And then depending on who they get, Ben could be very happy and Ben could be very sad. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely with you on those points. OK, let's go to one from Corbin Springer, longtime listener at KJ Springer 23. I'm going to pick one name out of, out of the guys that he mentioned. Malik Jefferson from Texas, the linebacker. So I was watching him, uh, the the USC game the other day, the coaches film for that. And there are times where Malik Jefferson, when he can see it and he's clean, his closing burst, his athleticism and the thump that he can bring is, is very, very good. That's where he makes his money. But when he has to stack or shed or if he is confused by what is happening in front of him, which is a lot of the time, uh, he's just kind of like a bull in the china shop and they like to blitz him a lot and he just seems really no nuance no plan other than just run full steam ahead into whatever body is in front of you really lacks the spatial awareness to get to space as a blitzer just really a bull in the china shop type mentality but for a lot of the wrong reasons and i think he's going to struggle as a pro for that reason ben would you agree with that assessment no i uh i don't trust malik jefferson i agree with your assessment I unless I can sit down with the guy and really break through some film with him and talk about what he's seeing and how he's how he's processing it when he sees it, I would not feel very comfortable taking a guy like Malik Jefferson. The way I, I you know, uh, it's a fun characteristic to make because it helps you know kind of illustrate things. Linebacker who plays like a safety, yeah, doesn't like physicality, slow to process when he's close to the box. It's just it's a safety in a two hundred forty pound body, and it's not a good situation. Yep, with you there. Okay. We got another question, which was sent to us via John Barchard from another listener at Brian underscore Seville, S-A-V-I-L-L-E. Who will be the next Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt from this draft class? Uh, I mean, there's always one of them. It's not it, like it's not a bad question. Right. It's, here's here's what here's what makes it interesting to me. Are you asking me who's going to be the next Alvin Kamara? because you want to know who's the next scat back with excellent contact with balance, style, really right. good agility, right? Are you asking me who's going to be the next Kareem Hunt as far as a guy who's got good explosiveness and, again, excellent contact balance and he's a, he's a great zone runner? You know, if we're talking about that, then I can give you names. Alvin Kamara is going to be a Mark walton sort of guy. Walton's got incredible wiggle in space. He's a much better space player than he is a traditional running back. He's a guy you want to manufacture touches for. and uh, He's got a really low riding frame, low center of gravity, so mm. he can break tackles for you. We're talking Kareem Hunt. It's John Kelly out of Tennessee. Alvin yeah. Kamara's alma mater, who's got incredible physicality, loves contact, takes it on really well, always finishes his runs, picks up dirty yardage. That's what we're talking about. If you're asking me who's the next Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, in terms of who's the next mid-round running back who's going to be a huge impact for his team, there's literally like 85 different names. Yeah. Okay, and by 85, I mean like 10. But what we have to recognize is there's a reason that Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt both went where they did. And there were certainly analysts who were higher on Kamara and, and Hunt, but even the analysts who were higher on Kamara and Hunt were so in recognition of the fact that they're – Ceiling is one of limited deployment. One of the reasons why like a Christian McCaffrey and, and Dalvin Cook were so high, uh, you know, to, to take examples from last year's class, 
because these players showed that they could be successful in a variety of ways with a variety of skills, hmm. right? And 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 thereby they're higher on a composite board, a board which is ranking the players for all 32 teams because they can fit better into all 32 teams. Whereas a player like Alvin Kamara had no business being a consistent zone runner, in my opinion. This is a guy who did not make great decisions, who was often impatient behind his blockers in Tennessee. A guy like a Kareem Hunt needed to read patiently behind a line of scrimmage. He had no business being a gap power runner, in, in my evaluation. Honestly, that's a little bit better than Kamara. He could have pulled off gap power just right. fine, to be honest. But this was this was a weakness. So they, they're a bit more uh, specific as far as the scheme fit goes. Now, when you're a team, when you're ranking players... There's a huge difference, right? right? Uh, Philadelphia uh, ranking running backs. Philadelphia does a ton of different things with their running backs, but they're going to be in desperate need of a zone-heavy running back within the next one or two years. Jay Ajayi is their current zone guy, and he's likely going to be off the roster when his contract expires. As a result, they might be higher on a Ronald Jones out of USC, who's 1,000% a tried-and-true blue-blooded zone runner, than a team like, I don't know, the Dallas Cowboys. Right. They run a decent amount of zone. Uh, the Giants under Shermer are going to run some zone. Washington. Washington runs a good amount of power. There you go. Right? And, and they probably wouldn't be as interested in a guy like uh, Ronald Jones. All this going to say, there's going to be 10 dra- backs drafted, rounds 2, 3, and early 4, who are going to get opportunities to play a role on their team. Whoever is is drafted by the the team that best recognizes their ability and deploys them in the correct scheme, that's going to be the player that makes the difference. You could make, I think, if I were to give two names, then Mike, you can have it. Kalen Balaj out of Arizona State is my one. And then I think Naeem Hines out of NC State, who we've discussed, is my two. These guys, exceptional receiving ability, awesome in space. If you manufacture touches for these guys and just get them the ball against linebackers, they're going to rip up yardage like there's no tomorrow. Balazs was not used appropriately in Arizona State. And then uh, Naeem Hines was only used for a year for the Wolfpack, and he was productive and he was strong. But they also had Jalen Samuels cutting into his reps and so on and so forth. So... Those are my two guys who I, I can envision having it if they get into the right fits. But asking about who's the next mid-round guy to excel is 99% fit and 1% player. Absolutely, yeah. John Kelly is one of my guys. Uh, I'll throw out another name out there. It, well, okay, so John Kelly and Naeem Hines are, are mine too. But but look around, man. Like, Bo Scarborough could be good for a year from Alabama. Kerryon Johnson is a guy that we haven't really talked about, but I mean, he can be an effective runner at the, at the next level. There, there are so, it's a deep running back class. And like you said, it's all about scheme. It's all about opportunity. One of these guys get the hot hand in, in preseason or early on in the season. They're going to be productive backs. Running back is right. one of the easiest positions to get production out of. It's, it's going to happen for a couple of these guys, especially in this class. Okay. Last one before we get to a silly one. Uh, I'm just going to take one name out of this. This is from Alex at the Swain Train. Kaiser White. I dig it. I haven't finished my evaluation on him. Uh, what I've seen from him, though, is he can lay the wood. And as a box safety, when we saw him in Mobile, Alabama, I thought that was going to be a big test for him because he's not the the most fluid guy uh, from what I remember. And those drills, those individual drills, really test guys like that. And I thought he held up pretty well. What do you like about Kaiser White? No, Kaiser, really interesting in the sense that, yeah, I agree. Man coverage stiffness right now is not the best. Uh, footwork is not super economical. It's a little bit wasteful right now. And the reality is we have a player who's very physical and not the best mover. And so what do we get as a result? Oh, he's young as well. 
and you put those three of those together and you get grabby. That is grabby, yep. and that's what you consistently see. What White does have, however, is he's got great physical profile for zone as far as he's got good reach and he's got good closing burst. This is a, a guy who played a hybrid position for West Virginia, that spur role, which was just, okay, I'm a linebacker, and now I'm a free safety, and now I'm a nickel corner, and I'm going to be everything in between from play to play to play to play to play. And he played it very, very well. So this is a guy who's going to be a hybrid piece on a defensive back end. He brings an incredible amount of physicality, like you said. He's a fantastic tackler. Sometimes he will do the stupid thing where he wants to take your head off, and so he just misses an easy tackle. But yeah. honestly, I'm fine with that because he has the ability. This is a guy who came in at 220 pounds as a safety. He's he's almost 6'2", Mike. This is a guy who can really take it to your stronger tight ends. This is a guy who can be very, very physical with players who usually bully guys who play that box safety role. And so he's very exciting as a prospect who maybe not this year, but next year. I mean, again, born in 96, right? So he's one of the younger guys that we're going to see. A guy who you can develop into uh, a great tight end eliminator, a matchup guy at the next level. So the versatility that he gives you, I think the range uh, to cover from single high probably isn't great. You want to keep him more traditionally as just a nickel defender. Yeah. But he's going to give you excellent box ability. I'll tell you this. He isn't dissimilar to Jabril Peppers out of Mm. Michigan. He's mm-hmm. just younger and a little bit dumber because Pepper. <laughs> not I shouldn't say dumber. I'm sorry, guys. That was that was in play. Peppers <laughs> is a very very smart. It's just I just shouldn't call a guy dumb. Peppers is a very intelligent football player. He's one of the headiest defenders we've ever seen. Kaiser White is a bit more instinctual and he's younger and he makes more mental mistakes. But as far as how they should be deployed in the NFL, that's what it should be. Of course, Greg Williams is putting Peppers on the moon, oh. but that's Greg Williams' fault. That's that's a different conversation. White near the line of scrimmage, physical, a matchup with tight ends, good short zone defender, excellent against the run. Uh, round two, great for me, I believe. Late round two, he's first year, you're going to have some problems. But if you live through the growing pains, that's a starting so strong safety for you quite quickly. Yeah, Browns are going to draft them and play them 25 yards off the ball like a, like the idiots that they are. You can call them dumb because that was dumb what they did with Jabril Peppers for sure. All right. Yeah, I'll call them dumb. Last question from Steve Merkley, and he has an at that I'm not even Al, at Al Chalidi. We'll go with that. What is the origin of Gentle Listeners? Uh, yeah. Oh. Gentle Gentle Listeners is an adaptation of Gentle Readers, which was often used in the prologue of uh, books that were written a very, very long time ago. Uh, I'm, I'm an avid reader, so I came across it and then just... Uh, Decided to start calling you guys gentle listeners because I love all of you. I think all of you have gentle spirits. And if I say that, maybe you believe that you are and you want to attack me online. That's that's basically where that comes from. Yeah, I don't do it. It's not me. It's all what's 100% Mike. I just dig it. I, I riff off it sometimes. That's about it. <laughs> all right, Ben. That is going to do it for today. We're going to figure out what we're going to be uh, talking about for next week. We'll have another three shows for you for sure as we get closer to the draft. As we record this, we are two weeks away from the NFL draft. So there is plenty of nonsense going about. I just saw an article that's saying that Lamar Jackson is tanking so that he can be on the Patriots because people need clicks, I man. I buy it. <laughs> Seems legit. Yeah. All right, Ben. You want to take her home, bud? No, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for listening, as always, to the Kissed and Solak show presented to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio. Please, for our BGN Radio patron subscribers, Jordan Wilkins against Alabama is up, the newest behind the curtain. Please enjoy. I'm 
I make funny sounds during it because I get excited. And this is why you should listen, people. This is where your money is going. It's going to me making funny sounds. As Mike said, we are two weeks away from the draft. So uh, single-digit episodes remaining. You can look out for more final mock drafts. You can look out for more rumor mill segments as we get closer and closer. Just make sure you're keeping it locked on here. You're always listening. And, of course, when we get uh, post-draft, after the draft, You'll have the opportunity to hear all of our breakdowns on the players the Eagles do finally select and give you an impression of how they will fit in the offense, in the defense, in the scheme. So, yeah, just make sure you keep on listening to the Kiss and Solak Show. We all we got, we all we need, Fly Eagles Fly. We take them out to the rest of the future.